back to Work Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. Nice to be back at Tuttle's, the flagship of the Tuttle's Enterprises up here in uh, Hopkins, uh, on the outskirts of downtown Hopkins. I learned that a couple couple years ago. Um, thanks, everybody, for coming on. Packed house here on a uh, beautiful, um, what day is it? We it's Well, it's Wednesday morning in uh, Sweden. It so it's Wednesday Tuesday night here. It's so, although most people who aren't here will not hear the show till Wednesday. That's true. Yeah, actually, if it, if this was uh, Thanksgiving week, yeah, let's just yeah, go with that. Yeah, exactly. When we hours of Wednesday morning in Sweden, it would mean that I'd be wide awake. I could have actually listened to this live. Uh, I don't know about you. Did you ever catch up on your? Uh, did you have trouble sleeping there? In Sweden? No. Yeah. Well, of course, you never have no. trouble sleeping. I, and I slept yesterday on the plane ride home. I started two movies both of which I didn't make it through the opening credits, and I woke up when the song came at the end of the movie. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds like uh, you. Uh, thanks again for everybody coming out. The next live show is December 13th at Split Rocks. December 13th at Split Rocks. Uh, thanks to Grain Belt. Uh, we got these new uh, snazzy Grain Belt uh, worst seats in the house pint glasses. So if you were lucky enough and you got here early and ordered a pint of uh, Nordeast or Grain Belt or, uh, or another one of their awesome beers, you get to keep the glass. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, and I think we're going to be having more at some other shows as well. We got these awesome Worst Seats in the House T-shirts up here as well. If you come up and ask a question during the show, uh, grab a T-shirt. Uh, that is as supplies uh, last. So you want to be first up to ask questions. You do not have to be invited up to uh, ask questions. Come on up at any time. Uh, Anthony, as mentioned, uh, we just got back from uh, Stockholm. Uh, looking at your social media, you've had a lot of Swedish meatballs the last couple of weeks. I did. Yep. When in Rome. Yeah. So you, uh, like any time that we go to Europe on our, our Russo-Lapanta trips, you always come back with all these recipes that you try to emulate when you get back to the kitchen, the Lapanta kitchen. Do you think you're going to delve into this? Well, it's funny you bring that up. So as I was leaving my Festivus happy hour today with my high school buddies to come here. Yep, 6.59.30 if right, you're uh, yeah, wanting to know. Right. And I got in the car and it'll be a shock to you to know that Margo was paying attention to what time I left happy hour. And within a minute of me getting in the car, I got a phone call saying, are you going to make it there on time? And I said, yes. So then the conversation went to, we're having Thanksgiving dinner on, on Thursday, but then on Friday, we're hosting a bunch of AJ's friends because AJ's coming into town. And we just decided we're going to make Swedish meatballs on Friday night. So yes, I'm going to try and duplicate them. I did talk to a couple different restaurants. You and I together at Riche one night, that those I thought were the best I had the whole week I was there served with lingonberries and lightly pickled cucumbers. So I asked their guy if I could talk to him about how he made it. He didn't speak tremendous English, but I think I got the idea. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give it a shot. There will be Swedish meatballs served at our house on Friday night. That will nice. be the first yep. shot at it. By the way, you just reminded me, uh, AJ has sent me about five texts this week, and I haven't replied to any of them, so I just finally did. Uh, so there you go. tonight, so yeah. that will be fun to, to connect. But, yes, it's... I always feel like whenever, whatever city we visit, I always want to try, especially in Europe, but even in the United States and Canada, I want to try and eat what they're best known for. And there it was the meatballs. So mm -hmm. we did go to a couple Italian spots that I really liked, but then everywhere else you had to try what they're famous for. But you know what was funny to me? If you walk through, did you walk around the town at all, like through oh, yeah. that mall area and stuff? Mm -hmm. So they have a food court in this indoor mall. And if you think about food courts in Minneapolis, St. Paul, they're all the same. All these fast food things there. Like I saw these little kids, they'd go up to whatever the restaurant was. They'd come back with a plate of three meatballs and a glob of mashed potatoes. <laughs> that's like what they get at their fast, their equivalent of fast food places. That's just, that's their food court meal is three meatballs and a, and a chunk of potatoes. So it was kind of cool to see that everywhere. And almost every restaurant you went to had their take on Swedish meatballs. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll just explain to you what, what your son's text to me was after because it just made me laugh out loud. Um, I, I put, walked by an actual Ikea in Stockholm and uh, looked in and I could not believe how packed it was with people eating Swedish meatballs. It is their, it's their, it's their walleye, I guess. Uh, it's, it's crazy to me uh, how, how popular it is there. Um, different. I texted you the picture last night. Yeah. The, the, we had a nine 15 bus on Monday morning to leave. And at eight 30, I walked into the 
the one Starbucks that was in that downtown Stockholm area. And the only reason I went to Starbucks instead of the, I had gone to their espresso house the last I few love that days, place. which was, they were great. Yeah. They were great if you were going to drink it there. Yeah. If you took it to go, they had, the cups were smaller. Yeah. And so I decided I was going to go to this Starbucks. And I know it's a little bit of a, like, you shouldn't do that. You're in Stockholm, eat, drink their coffee. I was the only person in this Starbucks at 830 in the morning on a Monday. And it's, Starbucks was huge with, like, these great couches and everything to sit in there. And I, I texted Michael the picture because I said, can you imagine being in any Starbucks yeah. in any major city in the United States at 8.30 on a Monday morning? It would be shoulder-to-shoulder people. No. And here I was the only person in the place. Yeah, that espresso house, same thing, though. They uh, When you order an Americano, it comes in, like, almost like an espresso cup. So I ordered three of them for my train ride to Avicii on the last day. Um, so that It was, was great if you, yeah. if you got it there. They had big mugs, so mm-hmm. then you could just say, "I want five shots in there," and they kind of looked at you goofy, but they would get it. Well, right. that's what happened with me. The guy from Espresso House, uh, the last day, like refused to like put more than four. But in one. but the to go cups like, were small. They mm-hmm. were like ten ounces yeah. or something. I mean, they were that was the best you could get. But if you drank it there, which I went and sat there one afternoon to do some work, and they had like a maybe a fourteen or fifteen ounce mug mm-hmm. that was then you could get what was a true Americana. Yeah. I loved uh, the city. We talked about it on the last podcast last week, but just how clean it is, how beautiful it is. Um, it just it was a it really was a tremendous trip. I thought the league did a really tremendous job in terms of uh, putting on the games. Uh, definitely. If you were there, I think you got uh, you got your money's worth um, back here in the States, though. I and maybe the people here that are at our podcast could agree or disagree with me. I thought the league did an absolutely miserable job of even letting people know that we were in Sweden. Um, the games weren't on U.S. rights uh, at all, uh, ESPN or TNT, which is obviously good for you. But it's yeah. just it totally uh, defeats the purpose. Um, putting the games on 7 a.m. local, not having well, it, it just it but was. That's why they're not on those national feeds, because mm-hmm. the local teams, I mean. Are you going to get up at 7 a.m. to watch? Well, Boston why is the game play? at 2 p.m. anyway? There was no even the league couldn't explain to me why that right. Sunday game was well, at that 2. I agree with. But yeah. I'm just saying the games were even the five o'clock start was a 10 a.m. start back here in Minnesota. Wild fans are going to get up to watch the wild play, but they're not going to get up to watch the Islanders play the Jets. Well, that's why I think if you have them at normal times, I, I think that people would but even and, in nor- like the best case. If you start at seven o'clock there. You're still starting at noon here on a Sunday. What's going on on ESPN on a Saturday or Sunday that you can't throw that on one What's of their going stations? What's on a noon no, on like Sunday on, in like, November? No, I'm just saying, like, if you could have a 10 a.m. game on a Saturday right. or a Sunday. Well, Sunday they're not going against NFL right. football, so they were going to get the games done before the noon kickoffs on Sunday. There's right. no doubt about that. But you could have probably played at four in the afternoon. Which exactly. exactly. A, yeah. You know, it saves you a couple hours, but it was. It didn't make any sense why that game was at two, but I, it's probably more uh, to cater to the Leafs. Probably. Yep. You guys want to leave? Sure. Well, you guys don't want to give up a home game? Sure. You can be the road team both games here. Sure. You want to play 18 hours after the Wild play the night before? Sure. Right. Let's do it. You want a day off between both games? Yeah. Perfect. You'd like four days off before you play? That's great. You want to take half then, the Wild's locker room area? Of course. And then Sheldon Keefe sits up there the day Oh, the day my of the God. That says, was nauseating. It has just been a grind. That was a grind. Yeah. You guys yeah. played. We've played one game in six days, and you've had. Yeah. You got every practice on the game rank where the Wild are yeah. over on the it's Olympic such sheet. such a crock. It was. Yeah, it was. It's been a grind for you, Sheldon. Yeah, it was. It was just insane to me. Um, all right, let's talk about the wild. Um, yeah, so uh, we reported on Monday morning uh, before practice. Uh, Bill Guerin called the team together and pretty much read them the riot act. Uh, went one by one around the room and basically destroyed everybody. Um, and uh, obviously, they get on the plane that night. They go to Stockholm. Four or five days later, they wind up playing better in both games. We started seeing them look a little more like themselves. When your game has been as um, as really shoddy as the Wilds have this year, it's not just going to happen overnight where everything gets fixed. But in your eyes, did you see enough to say that this team is starting to play better and looking more like themselves, that we are now going to start to see a little bit of a turnaround? Yes, as long as two things happen. One, they get a save. They have to get a save, and the the goaltending the goaltending was good. It didn't have to be spectacular in either of these games because I thought they played the right way in front of their goaltender. But then Boldy and Kaprizov have to score, and I'm 
assuming that they will, they're not going to score at the pace they're scoring right now. Matt Boldy's not going to finish this season with eight goals. And God help us. And so if those two things happen, yes. So many times we've talked about this over the years that sometimes when you're winning, it's a little bit of fool's gold because the game's a little loose, mm-hmm. but you're just getting breaks and the great coaches see the, the storm before it hits. And I think the same is true sometimes when you're trying to work your way out of a rut. Sometimes you'll see things happen that where the game is starting to get better. And even though you don't get the result right away, you can see that the little things are there. And I think the little things were there in both of these games. Other than a 10-minute stretch at the end of the first period against Toronto, which was fueled by a horrific call against Jared Spurgeon that put him on a power play and allowed them to score the power play goal and then create a little momentum. Other than that 10 minutes, for 50 minutes, the Wild were the better team in that game. And they didn't get the result when they lost the game in the in the shootout, but it was... but. They were, that, they were the better yeah, team. That was the best that we've seen Kaprizov look in a long right. time. Uh, the first period, he was, didn't even have a shot attempt. And I know for a fact that he got read the riot act between periods. And he came out, looked much more like himself in the second and third periods. And over time, just couldn't finish. So that is an uplifting thing that we're starting to see him uh, look a little bit more like yeah, himself. But, but I would say that he has to. And for whatever it's worth, you've invested the future of the franchise into this guy. And just look at that game. He had three opportunities, two where he was one-on-one with the yep. goaltender inside the defense from less than eight feet away, and he didn't finish him. And right now, Toronto's got things going with William Nylander. Everything he touches finds the back of the net. He winds up with the one chance to score in overtime, and he doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't, he doesn't miss. He's got Crow's got to score. Right. He yeah. has to score. And that's the only difference right now because I think if you look at Toronto's game, I'd be much more concerned about their overall game than I am the Wilds game. It's just that their superstars are scoring right now. Matthews is scoring. Mm-hmm. Nylander is scoring. And Minnesota's go-to guys are not. Yeah. And so that that's, I don't know if I totally agree with the way that you phrase that. I would not be as worried about Toronto's game as the Wilds oh, game. Did you um, watch their defensive zone? I, I, they I are still would not. mess in their yeah. own zone. Well, they, and they're, they're not going to be able yeah. to score their way out of it like they are right now. Austin yeah. Matthews he's not going to end the season with 90 goals. Mm-hmm. And that's what his pace is right now. And Nylander is not going to score in every mm-hmm. game this season. Does he it concern you point. that every single time the Wild play that the star and the other team scores? And and, the, and Kaprizov does not. Well, Because yeah, I can tell you that inside the organization they're getting a little I perturbed. don't think that's true, though, because if you look at the like the, the best players for Ottawa didn't score. Well, Ottawa's Ottawa. But Erickson X line shut them down. Toronto's best players didn't score in that game other than on the power play and three-on-three. When it was five-on-five, those guys had a heck of... Did you even see Mitch Marner in that game? Yeah, well, he still wound up with a couple of helpers. He but, did, yeah. but it was because it was yeah. a power play and a three-on-three, three, not mm-hmm. not in the floor. How many the power plays did the Wild have that game where they didn't score? What were they over? Four? No, yeah, not in that. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Uh, they went 0 for 3 in the second period, right? Yeah, so they were, yeah. I think they were 0 for 3 in that game. They were 0 right. for 4 against Ottawa. Yeah. Well, you know, so Marner gets his points no, on no, the power play. Matthews gets his that, point on the power play. I, you asked the question, though, like how many mm-hmm. games does the other team's best guy always score? And I'm saying I, I don't think – I think the Wild actually did a pretty good job against the best players in, this, in these two games. But it was just 3 on 3 mm-hmm. and power play stuff where – those guys found a way to score, and that's my point. Is Kaprizov didn't. He has to because no matter how well you shut those guys down, then on the special teams, they find a way, and, and Minnesota's best players did not. Yeah. So Carroll's not scoring on the power play right now, and he has one even strength goal, which is less than Mermis and Middleton uh, at $12.5 million in real money this year. Um, he needs to start scoring. Let's talk about Boldy. Uh, that, to me, is, is a bigger concern because we are not seeing – games where Boldy is uh, making an impact where at least Kaprizov is getting his chances and you got to think that eventually those are going to go in. Boldy is getting shot attempts, but he's still very much on the perimeter um, and playing a little too loosey-goosey. And uh, there, there's, there is going to have to come a point where, where I don't know if you pull a Patrick Liney and sit him out of the lineup, but you can't just continually accept this. At some point, you got to tell him that it's not acceptable. Uh, at $8 million to have one goal on the season. Yeah, and I don't, with him, I, I never feel like it's a lack of effort, but last year at the end of the season, 
when he st- stepped up when Kaprizov was out, I thought it was a, I thought we were seeing a glimpse of what was next for him. Agreed. And it hasn't yeah. been the case so far this year. And you and I talked about this, I think, when we went out and had dinner after the last game there. And it's what's different about the NHL today is that most of these teams are so tight against the cap that they don't have extra rostered players with them a lot of times mm-hmm. where you can scratch a guy. And so moving a guy down in the lineup sometimes is about the, the most vocal a statement a coach can make. And I think Dean has just always been a guy who has said, these guys have always done it. They've proven themselves. I trust them. They're not going to fight their way out of it if I throw them on the fourth line. But sometimes maybe you have to. Maybe it is a maybe it is with him something that's going to have to be a jolt to the system, a shock to the system, so to speak. And a night on the fourth line might might do that. I'm not sure. I to me he just looks like a guy right now who's playing with zero offensive confidence. And and to your point, uh, they're going to soon have no ability to take guys out of the lineup because. Once Goligoski comes back from LTIR, they're back to square one at the beginning of the season where they're barely going to even want to have an extra forward on the team or an extra defenseman on the team because they can't afford it. Uh, so uh, they're going to be really back into Cap Hill right now unless they sustain um, a long-term injury coming up here. So that's going to be really fascinating. It's going to be, you know, a guy like Vinny Terry probably is going to wind up on waivers due to that. Um, and Mermis, we saw cleared waivers the other day. So once Goligoski gets back, and they have uh, seven defensemen. I think they're going to carry the 12 forwards. They obviously got the big trip that goes Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Seattle. Very weird trip. Uh, they'll probably bring an extra player there. But, man, they are, they are really up against it. The one thing I have to find out from the league is the Wild, remember, in Montreal, played a man short, which then theoretically would allow them to uh, you know carry an extra body uh, as long as he's making less than, what is it, 875 or something? Um and yeah, it was 875. Yeah, 875 or 850. Um, and they really never took advantage of that because they went into LTIR the very next day. So I wonder if that still flies or if they're going to have to actually play a man short again when they need to go over the cap. I'll try to get that answer here in the, little, in the next little bit. Um, you know, overall right now, where's your? I know that you always feel like this team is good enough, uh, you know, top three in the Central Division. Um, they are only five points out of a playoff spot, but they're also seven points up on 32nd in the league. So where is your confidence level now? We are at U.S. Thanksgiving here by the time the Wild next play, which a lot of times is a threshold on whether or not a team could make the playoffs. Uh, where's your confidence level on this team being able to really turn this around and make the playoffs? I still think they're the third best team in the Central. And the only thing I would say to that is that is that was contingent on the goalies at least being middle of the pack and the the top two scorers scoring. And I don't think they have to – I'm not saying Kaprizov's got to get 50 and Boldy's got to get 30, but they can't be on a pace for a, a combined total of – what would it be right now? They'd be about a combined total of 20, yeah. 22, something like that. That if they stay at that pace, then this team can't make the playoffs. Yeah. But if those guys just do what they've done and the goaltending ends up at least being middle of the pack instead of – bottom third of the league, bottom whatever, tenth of the league, then I think they're a playoff team. I think they're the third best team in the Central. And I think Nashville might be a little bit better than what we thought they were coming into the season. They're still better than Chicago and Arizona for sure. And St. Louis, I don't think, is a a team to fear. Dallas and Colorado are different, and it'll probably come down to Minnesota, Winnipeg, and Nashville, and and at least probably two and maybe all three of those teams make the playoffs. Yeah, they've... They've just got to get their good players playing well. I mean, Marcos Johansson but completely MIA this, a little this bit year. Too. He has been, but the you also have to look at what their schedule has been. They've already had three trips to the East Coast that were four, five, six days in length. They've faced the Rangers twice. They've faced the Devils twice. They've faced the Leafs twice. They've faced Florida. They've they've played L.A. and Dallas. The, a huge chunk of their schedule has been against the absolute best of the best in the NHL. And they did a lot of that while they were banged up. So it, I'm not trying to dismiss their start. Their start's concerning. But it would, maybe it would look different if they had played a couple of games against the Coyotes, a couple of games against the Sharks, teams mm-hmm. like that, that they haven't yet seen that will all balance out over the course of the year. So I think right now where they are is concerning but not, time for panic yeah and last year they did beat the lesser lights uh, a lot and they haven't really gotten a lot of those to your point um questions uh, we got the microphone up here uh, feel free to come on up um 
you know, I, I wrote a story the other day. We talked to Bill Guerin. I talked to Bill Guerin uh, before that game on Sunday, and he made it extremely clear um, that this can't go on forever. But he, I wouldn't call it a vote of confidence for Dean Evison, but he also made it, you know, abundantly clear in that story that uh, this, that the players, that he can't go out and play for the players, and that he's extremely disappointed in the way that they're playing and, and things yeah, like that. And that's always but, the case. The, but at the same time, there is a point where yes, that's the bullet the GM has in the gun to fire it, and I, I think it would be a mistake at this point. I don't, I don't feel like this is a coaching staff that's lost the team. And the last two times we've seen wild coaches get fired in midseason, I thought both times yeah. there was a disconnect between coach and players. And I don't see that at all with this team right now. And it doesn't mean the results aren't concerning, and it doesn't mean that a few more losses couldn't put those guys on the chopping block. But I'm just saying I don't think we're around these guys every day. And you could tell in both the, the Mike Yo firing and then the Bruce Boudreaux firing, the the coaches had lost the players. They weren't in sync anymore. You could feel it. I don't feel any of that with this team right now. I don't know if you feel differently. Yeah, no, I, I really, and, and to me, you know, if, as I've said, I mean, if Dean Evison was coaching with one hand tied behind his back last year, what's this year? This year, the cap is much more restrictive um, and his best players are not playing well. And I've gotten into a couple little Twitter things the last couple of days, blaming Kirill Kaprizov's output on, on Dean Evison. That's a foolish excuse in my eyes this is the same uh, guy that 40, got 40 goals under the same coach the last two years Kaprizov's got to look in the mirror and, and worry well, about yeah, what would, yeah. what would the coach I mean, be doing yeah, to hold like him down like suppressing his creativity I mean a bunch of jump, mumbo jumbo nonsense that sometimes fans just you know that, that love Kaprizov well he did tell you about that meeting that, he had yeah. with him where he said don't score yeah exactly you know we'll go, just go play in your own zone if only Capri, if only Dean had told Kaprizov when he was one on one with the goalie three times in the game the other day that he should just score then, it, then the right. you know he shoot would have had a hat trick. He instead he said shoot it right into the Maple yeah. logo. I mean, it's see just what insane. All right, uh, let's. Uh, but I will say to to this topic, um, the the obligation and the belief inside the organization from the owner to the GM is that this is still a playoff team. And so there's yeah, just going to come a point, and it is a win lead. Yeah, yeah. it's like a this is, There lead. is going to come a point, no matter what Billy said to me the other day. You know, there there are you know two or three losses or two or three horrendous losses at home away from potentially a move being you know almost having to be made. I, I don't think it would be a fair thing, but that's the nature of the NHL. I always say to this, it's you know Dean actually never got the press conference right. He never really got the press conference like. You know, the big like put on the hat and like, you know, when you get hired because he was, you know, the interim guy and then it had to take it off during the bubble and all that stuff. But I always find it hilarious. This is the one business in all the world where you have this just incredible day, you know, in front of cameras and reporters and you put on the jersey and you put on the hat and you knowing that in three, four or five years, it's going to end miserably and you're going to be angry and have resentment and all this stuff. It's the strangest vocation. You're and, going to be fired. Yep. You're yeah, going to be fired. It, Think about the last time a guy just decided, yeah, that's enough. I think I'll step Scotty away. Scotty Bowman is the only one that I could really think of uh, where he, uh, you know, at the 2002 Stanley Cup final said that's it on the ice. Question. Since 1925, Bowen Lodge has built its reputation as a world-class resort for walleye fishermen visiting northern Minnesota, as well as a premier vacation destination for families seeking the Northwoods experience. Bowen has been owned and operated by the High family for over 40 years and across three generations. Families continue to make Bowen Lodge their home away from home. Traditions have been forged around the campfire, at the beach, on a sunset pontoon ride, or around the cabin. Bowen's five-star location within the Chippewa National Forest allows guests to escape the noise of everyday life, literally and figuratively. Enjoy comfortable cabins overlooking Lake Winnebagashish, plus a marina that benefits from the calm, protected waters of Cutfoot Sioux Lake. Amenities like fiber internet, AC, and fully equipped kitchens also allow guests to enjoy peace at the lake with the same conveniences of home. The resort is situated at the end of the road in the middle of the woods, giving guests a true experience in the wild north. It's where eagles soar above your cabin and the call of the loons echoes over the lake. At Bowen Lodge, you become family. Start your journey at bowenlodge.com. If you've got somebody on your Christmas list that's in need of men's clothing, check out Twill at the Edina Galleria. Great spot if you're looking for suits and ties or for somebody that dresses in a business casual sense. Scott Dayton and his crew do a great job of matching 
everything they've got to your style, your taste. I picked up a black suit and a tie just before the hockey season, and it's been one of the most frequently complimented ensembles I've worn so far this season. You won't be disappointed. Get your Christmas shopping started at Twill at the Galleria in Edina. A guaranteed cash offer from Chris Lindell Real Estate is exactly what you need right now. Everyone can see the real estate market is cooling off quickly. Well, don't be one of the houses that doesn't sell. Be a smart seller and get a guaranteed cash offer today. There are no commissions, no repairs, and no open houses. Chris Lindell Real Estate's guaranteed offer puts you in control so you can sell your home fast. The economy and housing market are becoming more uncertain, and homeowners just like you want to make sure you cash in on your equity. And that's why thousands of clients work with Chris Lindell Real Estate. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews because their guaranteed offer works. You sell your home quickly, stress-free, and move when it's convenient for you. Just go to chrislindahl.com for a free, no-obligation, guaranteed cash offer. It's available 24 hours a day. They'll make you an as-is cash offer on your home fast. Whether it's a total fixer-upper or in perfect condition, Chris Lindell Real Estate's guaranteed cash offer is the easiest way to sell your home. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to chrislindahl.com right now and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. So anecdotally, because it might be tough to quantify, how effective is reading the riot act from the GM going to actually be? Because you can only probably go to that well. Yeah, yeah, you can. You, you can. You're right. I mean, you know, I, th- I think that his, you know, when I talked to Felino about this in the locker room after Sunday's game, he basically said that, that, that you know, it was a yell fest and he tore you down. But then he figured out a way to, to bring you back up, not just in that meeting, but in those five days in Sweden where he was just grabbing guys. But you're right. Uh, that's why. The net, you know, as I ended the story yesterday, um, you know, I wrote it. I said, you know, if this doesn't turn around, the next conversation that Billy's going to be having will be at a press conference. That's the way I ended the article. And that's just the fact. He's not going to just go in there. They lose 8-3 to Colorado on Friday. He's not going to go do it again. Um, so he, he told these players how disappointed he was. I think some of these players that have been told that they're great since day one of birth um, needed to probably hear that from Billy. And I know it was a gut punch to a lot of guys, and and I'm, I'm you know I think that it was the right thing to do. Um, whether or not maybe that also explains I don't know if you felt this against Ottawa, but that looked like a nervous team to do anything in that game. You know they played well, but they looked like they didn't want to you know have an eventful game. They just wanted to well, ride yeah. Rossi's goal until the finish line. They wanted to make sure they played the game the way that they were told to play the game. I felt, right. but I think what's interesting is that I think you have a whole bunch of guys who want it to work. They like playing for Dean. They like playing for Billy. They want it to work. And so when he comes in and starts to give that kind of a spiel, I think it's you don't have players that are rolling their eyes saying, we'll just wait till the next guy comes in here. You got guys that are, I think that's why it hit home for them. And and, and, the, did, and the loyalty that witness, he has shown these guys, right. you know, he, he extended three guys right before the season. They have to make it work. And I did witness a fair amount of the build back up because we're, I obviously stay in the same hotel as the team. I see those guys at the team breakfast in the morning, in the gym, in the in the saunas and everything. And I mean, you could see Billy from time to time just really making sure, like, these, these guys knew, you're still my guy. I might have called you every name I could think of the other day and, and tore apart your game, but you're my guy. And I think that's where Billy's, Billy's got a pretty good handle on what's yeah. going on with this team. So the comment you made in your article, the last one about uh, – Next discussion is going to be at the prep conference, presumably for a new coach, right? That's yeah, that's what I meant. Step. Mm-hmm. And it would be an external move, I would think. So, yep. Enjoy your shirt. What's up? How are we doing? Good. Uh, so, with uh, with Billy G saying everything he said to the boys here, um, you know, kind of saying it's 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 their fault. They're not playing the way they should, and they're not. What do you think the veterans on the team are doing? What do you think Moose is doing? What do you think Flower is doing? And how do you think the captains are reacting to kind of get their team, their players, to be playing a little better? What's that locker room looking like right now? I think it's a team just looking for answers. Yeah. I really do. And they're, it isn't for lack of effort. They're, again, we talked about this after the last Although game. Although Billy is, will be the first to tell you that he doesn't think they're working hard enough. But working smart enough, I think, is a better mm-hmm. term for it. Because it isn't like you're watching a team that's coasting. That's We're not watching well, the Edmonton like, Oilers coasting around in their own zone here. They're, yeah. But they're just, they continue to make mistakes that that's where Billy was challenging them, saying that when he talks about working hard enough, I talked to Billy about this a little bit, he's talking about, 
playing smart enough to know that this isn't the time to try to make that play. Yeah. Throw it down there and let's go get it and let's mm-hmm. go to work. Yeah. And he he looks at it as a team that's trying to find the like the easy way out of a scoring slump as opposed to being willing to go to work to to get what they used to always call the dirty goals sometimes to get a guy get a t- guy or yeah. a team. A good example would be Brodeen's play to 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 Kaprizov in Buffalo for the turnover that led to the the big goal Skinner there at the end of the second. You got to live oh, yeah. for another day there. You got to put that puck deep. But do you think people like Kaprizov or Felino are are kind of rising up in the locker room to kind of get things going again here? Yeah, I think uh, Maroon and those guys are definitely Zuccarello. Uh, they're the most vocal guys in there. Obviously, Marcus. I think sometimes when you feel like your game isn't on on up to snuff, it's a little harder to, to make those comments, which is always concerning. You know, if you're Marcus Foligno and you have a couple goals and you're getting in the face of Kirill Kaprizov, that probably doesn't work too often. Um, but I do think that the you know if you're a winner uh, like a like a Pat Maroon, if you're somebody that that is unbelievably respected in that room, like a Matt Zuccarello who has played well and produced this year. I think that you have the every right to to sometimes say anything, and and we saw the you know Felino did it in the Ranger game where he he was challenged the day before the, all the captains were, and they all spoke in the middle of that game. So, um, you know, I I do think that that uh, that they're, that they're trying to speak up and be vocal here, but but you know Dean was talking about it the other day, and I think he was talking about Spurgeon on this is that sometimes on the on the bench they're saying like in he said this after the Dallas game where. You know, he's basically saying, um, uh, you know, that guys are saying, don't turn the puck over, don't turn the puck over. And then they go out on the ice and throw it into a bunch of bodies in the center ice. Well, who did that that game? That was that was spurred. So I think that there that there are sometimes, um, you know, they all have all the intention of doing the right things. But then they go out on the ice and they sort of commit the, the, the mistake that they're preaching not to make. And that's always a sign of a fragile team. So question. Hello. Um, so like in football terms, I know we are only like three games roughly into like a football (laughs) season, if you math it out and we just watched the Vikings team go one and four and then immediately turn it back around. How much I, maybe you discussed this, but how much room do you really think they have to turn it around before immediate changes are made? Cause I mean, we already watched the Minnesota sports team turn around in five weeks after ripping off five wins. I mean, do they have a lot of room, or is Thanksgiving really the deadline? No, no, it's not got, the deadline. They, but they've got plenty of time, and and there aren't teams running away in the West. And what, mean, one of the teams that that broke that Thanksgiving quote unquote unwritten rule was the Wild about five, four or five years ago. So it's not unheard of that you have to be in a playoff spot on on U.S. Thanksgiving to make the playoffs. But um, especially this year, when yeah. you look at the West, there's a couple teams that are different, and then there's a whole bunch of teams yeah. that. They're four or five points apart, and the yeah. Wild have played a couple games fewer than most of those teams. And it isn't like you're looking at it saying we've got to catch Colorado and Dallas in order to make the playoffs. You don't. You just. And this is a team that last year started slowly, and then around all this of a time. sudden figured it out about this time. They yeah. had that sixteen or the ten game stretch where they only allowed sixteen <coughs> goals, and it wouldn't shock me to see this team. Do something similar. It was to exactly that. this time. In fact, right. well, maybe that, they go yep. ten games, allow yep. twenty goals, that, win eight yep. of them, and all of a sudden you're right back. And, th- and that's the key to me. Like they, they've got to start getting goaltending. Like even the game on Sunday, like you know, Flurry was not very good. I mean, if it wasn't for those three posts in the first period, that game would have been upside down in a hurry. Um, and um, you know, and I think what was uplifting about the Ottawa game is I thought that's as good as Gus has played for some time. So. Look, this this team is probably going nowhere unless Gustafson's the guy, Anthony. Like at some point, you've got to just go with. They the, both have to be the guy. Yeah, but they, like, they both they're not going anywhere unless both of these guys are serviceable. Because neither one of them is going to play sixty games. Neither one of them is going to play fifty five games. I they need them both, and I thought they both were good. They didn't have to be great, but they were both good in Sweden. They both have to be better the rest of the way. They just do. They're. Their save percentage, their save percentage on high danger shots, their save percentage on the penalty kill. They're in the bottom three or four in the league in all those areas. Yeah. They have to at least be middle of the pack, if not top half. And I thought Gus looked pretty good against Ottawa. I mean, he's made, he looked he looked to me like he had his mojo back, you know, with the with the left pad saves and the gloving the down and shootout. He just looked to me to be confident. So now your hope is is that he starts 
Friday against Colorado and gets himself on a little bit of a run here. Question. So if you feel the Wild still are responding to Dean and we bring in Jason King to run special teams along with Darby and we're near the bottom of the league, where last year a team on the penalty kill, we weren't great, but we were, we were sacrificing the body a lot more than we are this year. Mm-hmm. Is that it's essentially the same roster. So where are the players just not responding to Jason? Are the well, Jason's not the the penalty kill guy. Right. If that's what well, you're in general, but yeah, um, you know, um, we could talk about the power play in a sec. The penalty kill, it is pretty much the same roster minus Dumba, who in the second half of last season uh, was put on the penalty kill and and performed pretty well. Um, so I don't get it. I mean, you know, usually Dewar and Duham are serviceable guys. You know, the one big difference is Faber right now. And as good as Faber has been at even strength, he's been a rock star and the penalty kill. Him and Brodeen have not been very good. Um, so, uh, you know, and the analytics show that. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's been a rough go for pretty much everybody on the PK, uh, Anthony. What, what do you see there? Well, you didn't have Jared Spurgeon for most of the season. He's the best penalty killing defenseman that you have. And he was fourth in the league in block shots on the kill last year. He's as courageous a shot blocker as there is. So start with that. Then number two, you didn't have Freddie Gaudreau much, much of the season. He's one of your better, better penalty kill guys, one of your better face-off guys on the kill. So you had those two things. Except on the Matthews goal. The other <laughs> right, but I'm just like for over the course yeah. of the season so far. And then they simplified their kill before these this trip. That is and they, for sure. And they went back to a, a system that they had used in the past that helps to take away the, the seam pass, which has been a problem for them. They were trying to create two different looks to make it more difficult to prepare for them, and I don't think that worked particularly well. The personnel was a part of it, but then I, I just think it, you, had to, you had to go back to the basics. They did, and I actually I thought the kill was really good on the trip. Toronto yeah. scored the one power play goal, but it was Battery five down. seconds in right off of a faceoff. Yeah. And one, their other power plays, Minnesota's kill was very good against them. Same yeah. with Ottawa. So I think we'll see a kill that will start to head in the other direction. And we'll see. I, personnel, I think, was the biggest thing they were lacking. There, there is a little bit of schematic adjustment that they made on this trip that we'll have to see if it plays out now. You know, you're going to get a test. When you see Colorado right away here on Friday, they're one of the more explosive power plays in the league. We'll find out. I do think the the block shots on the kill, and we talked about this last year, they were one of the the better shot blocking teams on the kill. And this goes back to what you were talking about with Billy saying that he doesn't see a team that's working hard. Those are the kind of things he's talking about. It isn't like they're actually not working hard. It's that they're not willing to go down in that shooting lane mm-hmm. to block a shot. And I think we saw that a lot in the two games in Sweden. Guys going down to block shots, guys going down to get in passing lanes. Brodine made a few plays. Spurgeon made a few. That Those are the type of plays that, that can really get mm-hmm. a penalty kill headed yeah. in the right direction. Question. You look a little lighter in the wallet. Yeah. Are we, when's the reservation at La Medusa? La Medusa. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Montreal, yeah. Yeah. Anthony's not a big fan yeah. of that place. Well, if you like just having pizza because your dinner was mediocre. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, uh, what's up? Um, Two last little questions. I uh, personally, I just, I don't understand why they don't elevate Faber's game. Like, put him on power play one. Like, I think he's suited better over Spurgeon just to see what he can do. Like, at least give him a shot. And then also, if Evison does leave, who are the Wild going after? Who is Billy G. Wong? I have no idea on that. I wouldn't even venture a guess. But Faber's not ready to be a first power play guy. And Spurgeon's been fine there. He hasn't played there much. But he, Faber's, you need Faber to be your top penalty kill guy. And he right now is number three probably there. But he's not ready to be a top. Yeah, I mean, I think, they're, you know, he's, he's still 20 years old. you got to, you know, slowly work him in and at least give him practices and things like that. I mean, I think eventually, is he a power play guy? Yeah, um, I do. Um, in terms of uh, external uh, changes, I mean, John Hines is the one that just pops out at me as somebody that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, uh, long relationship with Bill Guerin from Wilkes-Barre um, and, um, and uh, Ray Shiro, who's a senior advisor here, hired him in Jersey. He's just the name out there that just, it's like if you're throwing a, it just makes a lot of sense. Whether you're not agree with that, 
is is a different thing, but but that to me, like if, if I had a wager right now, I think that'd be the guy. If the Islanders don't get him first, by the way, because I think the Islanders are talking to him. So I got a couple questions. Um, first of all, we've talked. Oh, you know, you've talked on the podcast about uh, Everson always being against change. He seems to hardly ever change things up. So we went with that new first line. I don't know what game it started with uh, Rossi and Boldy and Kaprizov. And if I remember right, that was only intact for three games. Is that right? Do you remember? If yeah, that might have been two, two games in a period, maybe. Right. The, the, the first game was a period, right. right? So my question to you is, why is it that he's so absent? Like, why, did, why doesn't he break Zuccarello? And Kaprizov, we talked about this a lot, but what do you think is the real reason there that he does it? Or why does he put Goudreau on the, uh, in the last game in the overtime instead of Rossi? Well, Rossi was on the ice for the game-winning goal. So I he mean, was, at the end there at the yeah, goal? Yeah, he, he, was, he was on the ice with Johansson at the time. He just put Goudreau out for a first rotation. They have rotations, and in that situation, he put Goudreau with, uh, with whoever, uh, whoever, who was out there. Was it Boldy? It was Boldy. I mean, maybe he went the left-right thing or whatever. Um, But it's just, I mean, Rossi was on the ice in overtime. Um, To your other point, I mean, I don't remember the exact circumstances of why he changed it back, but I remember tweeting at the exact moment that he changed it back, it is time to reunite Zuccarello. And uh, well, he did, it, he did it before a game because he and it, part of it was because it happened in game. He in, in New York, or maybe it was uh, Buffalo. To, he, he was in Buffalo. To, he went to Kaprizov, Boldy, and Rossi in game. Yeah, yeah. And then he and then he came he back. Was with trying it. to get a spark. And yeah. Kaprizov and Zuccarello have over time have proven that they have chemistry. So he tried breaking them up. It didn't work. He's tried more different combos this year than maybe. Yeah. Well, for sure, any of his time here, because this is the first year I think he's got some different pieces that fit differently. I love the way he put together kind of the bigger, heavier line with Ak Felino and Maroon. Right. But it didn't. It only it worked for a game, and then the next game it it just didn't. They were struggling, yeah. and and then the other line was struggling where he couldn't. They couldn't win a faceoff, couldn't get a puck, and and Boldy and Johansson just weren't creating the way they were. So this game he tried to go back to. Boldy with Erickson Eck and Johansson. They were the best line on the team, maybe the best line in the West at the end of last season. So he's tried just about every combination you can imagine, and none of them have gotten much traction so far this year. I mean, you know, I look at this roster, and Zuccarello needs to be with Kaprizov. It's, you it's really th- you yeah, think 100%. So? I mean, two 40-goal seasons, Boldy in those games uh, with Kaprizov did nothing. Um, I remember actually tweeting at the exact moment. I'm like, it is time to reunite. It's been long enough. It's been, it was three games. It wasn't working. Kaprizov didn't gain the traction that they were hoping. Boldy certainly didn't. And, and that's when it changed. I've I liked mean, Rossi with those. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I'm fine with Rossi with there, guys. but he's tried, he tried putting Rossi with Boldy cause they had a little magic when they were in Iowa together. Right. And he's tried just about every combination that's ever had success. And so far this year, it just hasn't clicked. And, I don't know if it's because they've been they've always been a guy off, but maybe now with everybody healthy, we'll see this team start to develop some chemistry within their lines and, and go. Okay. Johansson's gotta be better, man. Yes, for, be better. I mean, if you're gonna want Boldy to start producing, Johansson's gotta be so remember much better. How many times last year he drove the speed yeah. on that line where now all of a sudden it was he was pushing the pace and Erickson X winning puck battles and winning faceoffs and you know, Erickson X winning faceoffs at a higher level than he ever has. He's the same player he's always been everywhere on the ice. And yet, for some reason, you put those three guys together and they just can't score. Okay. Uh, second question. You know, the country club atmosphere that we had on the team with Parisi and Suter and that kind of thing. Um, do you see that in any way, shape or form creeping back in, especially now that everybody's cemented in place? They can't really move anybody down. They can't bench anybody. They can't send anybody to the press box. Russo, what do you think? I mean, you. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't call it a country club. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of pride in that sign in that room. But, the, you know, the, it is interesting that, like, you know, to your point, one reason why, you know, he wanted to change it up, Parisi, Suter, Dubnik, Stahl, um, Koivu, um, was he felt that everybody was too comfortable here, uh, you know, just wanted to be here, live here, raise their families here. 
And now, um, now it's basically that, that type of, you know, if you want to correlate the two, you have veterans that uh, signed for a lot of money here long term with no move, full no move clauses. And so does it unknowingly start that, uh, create that? I asked Bill about that the other day, and he, he said that he doesn't buy it. That, I, don't, that, I don't think it. Yep. One, I don't even think it for uh, one sliver. There's not a country club feel to this team at all. I think what's interesting, what will be interesting to watch is, I think this Swedish trip was a bigger distraction than what anybody realized it would be. And whether it's a conscious thought or not, I think everything that's been t- – I mean, every – you couldn't have a conversation with guys over the first three weeks of this season where at some point that didn't come up. How excited are you to get to Sweden? How you can you, what are you going to do when you get to Sweden? You got family, you got friends. And it wasn't just the Swedish guys. It was Kaprizov's family coming. It was Rossi's family coming. Zuccarello. Zuccarello's. All of the, this was, there was so much. There were wives there, players, trip, all that right, stuff. Yep. That I just think it was. I think it took away from the focus on what they were doing each night. I'll be really curious to see if that now it's in the rearview mirror, if now it'll just be a, all right, now let's, let's put the pedal down and let's go and let's just focus on getting back to what this hockey team has to be from here to the finish. I wonder if that wasn't just a little bit more prevalent inside the minds of these guys. And it isn't just the players, it's the coaches too. They were talking about it. The travel guys, everybody, just about all the distractions of what of preparing for Sweden and the this is the emails, the itineraries, the plans, all that stuff. I just think it was a distraction. And and it on top of that it condensed the schedule before and after because you had we're in the middle of a stretch right now, two games in 13 days. Well, in order to make that fit Everything else has to get crammed in on both sides. So I think they paid a little price with that, too. I just we'll see. I, I think in hindsight, not that you wouldn't do the trip because it was a great trip for the organization and everything. But I, I really think it was a bigger distraction than what anybody realized it would be. Yeah, especially doing it in the you know, remember, in most global series games start happen before the, at the, before the season like right. right you know the wild opened the 2010 season in last uh, year Helsinki. San Jose and yeah. Nashville did um and and so this is strange you just go in the middle of the year um and do it and again as I I know this sounds like uh Anthony and I are making excuses for the team but the wild were like the ugly stepsister I mean it, it just felt like the wild were just just like <laughs> I mean, just got the short well, shrift. You guys on are here too. Every, All right, yeah, well, yeah. you guys go over there. Yeah, I mean, they're the only team that didn't practice in the big building. How does that make sense? You know, they're the only play eighteen hours after you play Ottawa, and and you know, frankly, they deserve to win that game. So that's an impressive thing with the with the organization. But just the, the whole thing, the you know, the fact that the Leafs were allowed to go home after the game, and the Wild spent the night. I mean, it's just like every little detail of it was just the you know everything was catered as Anthony said to. Uh, the Maple Leafs uh, on last week's part. Even the fact that they didn't lose a home game, you know, right. it's just it's insane to me. Um, yeah, it was yeah, like, what, they, it's like the league doesn't do? doesn't even hide it. Right. Uh, what can crazy. we do to entice you to come to Sweden? And yeah. that's what they did. Ottawa and then, and then they don't throw games. it on national TV uh, right. with the, you know after getting the Leafs there. It's just weird. All right, this holiday season, Aquarius Home Services is your ultimate partner for simplifying your holiday lighting needs. Like me, if you're tired of braving the freezing cold to unplug your lights. Well, Aquarius has the solution. I had them install a smart timer, and now I can stay inside the comfort of my home while effortlessly turning off my holiday lights. Plus, with their exclusive offer of $98 off any electrical repair, you could say goodbye to the outdoor electrical headaches. Their highly skilled team is prepared to install outdoor outlets, seamless switches, hassle-free lighting timers, and smart Wi-Fi controls, much like the one I've benefited from all precisely crafted to elevate your holiday experience. Let Aquarius Home Services brighten up your holidays and enjoy a season filled with joy, not electrical frustrations. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com and don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Do more with Royal Credit Union's mobile app. The Royal mobile app lets you receive real-time account alerts, deposit checks, send money to family and friends, pay bills, and more. It's quick and easy to manage your accounts from anywhere, and you can even log in with your fingerprint or face. Open your Royal Credit Union account and enjoy our top-rated mobile app. Learn how easy it is to get started with the Royal Credit Union mobile app at rcu.org slash go mobile. Insured by NCUA.
Hey hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Question. Hey. Don't make Anthony and I argue again. <laughs> I made sure to wear my uh, Land of 10,000 Complaints sweatshirt. Perfect. So I know that everybody in here has probably got about 10,000 complaints about this team right now. Um, but, Anthony, I got a kick out of your question for Gary. Yeah, yeah I thought it was good for the day. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't uh, really seem to get it. <laughs> no, I, I got a good laugh out of that this morning when I was listening. But uh, I wish you would have asked him uh, why, why Chicago didn't get a draft pick taken away from him for uh, now two, two accusations or two uh, yeah. real – there were some topics that we, know we debated about whether or not we should ask them. And if they had been more directly related to the wild, I think they would have been more fitting. But we just opted to let's just stay away from the it's not he's answered. He's going to duck the question anyway. And one of the questions I did want to ask him was I had had some wild fans who when they found out we were going to talk to him. We're like, can you ask him why we start every playoff game at eight 45 when Minnesota's playing? And so I thought about going that route, but again, I knew he'd, I knew he'd duck the question anyway. So I just opted to go with the, well, what if you, I get asked if I'm commissioner for a day, what would I change? You are the commissioner today. What would you change? And he seems like he's all business. Like yeah. no jokes. Right. He was, <laughs> he didn't really seem to understand it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. Next, yep. What's up? How's it going? Hey. So I know we've covered Kirill pretty extensively already today, but I feel like kind of the signatures of one of his game always has been how he opens his hips and kind yeah. of, you know, uses his skating as an advantage. And since that Logan Stanley hit last year, have you mm -hmm. guys noticed he has been doing that less this year? That doesn't seem to be on the rush, in the zone, going around. It doesn't seem to be as much of a part of his game this year as it has been previously. Yeah, I feel that way. Yeah, yeah, we haven't seen that that particular move. I just I think his his game hasn't looked as explosive, and maybe that's a part of it. He just you used to always get that one or maybe two shifts a night where he would just have the puck for seemingly ninety seconds, and he'd win a battle out of the corner, and then he would just never give it away. And we haven't seen him do that. And I, yeah. I guess I didn't really think about that particular move and if it was correlated to that yeah. that hit the the wild of they've sworn he's healthy so i don't think there's any like lingering effects of and they got him hit. you know i will say that he, i think that the injury that he had last year after the dallas game he went in to see the docs feeling like something was going on in that same injury and they got him checked the next day, and and they and it, the and the images were not were were fine. Um, and I I just thought you know the Ottawa game was just a strange game for everybody. It was just slow, uneventful. Um, but I I I don't know. I mean I'm going to be really interested to see him against Colorado, Detroit, all these games coming up because uh, if you want to be optimistic about that Toronto game, it's the best he's looked in the second and third periods and overtime minus the finishing aspect. He looked so much more like himself. Um, and where the press box is in that arena uh, at Avicii, um, it's in that zone where basically uh, in overtime in the second period that he was basically creating all those chances. And it just looked to me like Kirill Kaprizov was back um, and and just trying to make an impact and, and all that type of stuff. So we'll see. I mean, um, you know, I, I think that we'll see. I mean, like I said, if that's a good sign. It, Right now, we're just assuming that that them repairing their game, a lot of them looking more is going to trans transfer into these games coming up, and we'll see if it's the same with Kaprizov. So, question: uh, Marco Rossi has been super impressive through the first you know, twenty percent of the season here. Huge success story for the you know, player development within the Wild. You know, Tim Army down in Iowa, obviously Brett McLean now. 
What do you think that player development process looks like going forward? You know, you got Judd Brackett coming in, doing a great job with the drafts, Brett McLean moving down to Iowa. What do you think the player development looks like going forward so that when the, you know, the, the cap hell ends in 25, 26, we can be ready for it? I think we'll find out. It's <laughs> right now. It's hard to say. I think Rossi's been great, but I think where this team heads depends on how those guys get developed. The three defensemen we've talked about so many times, one or two of those guys have to become legitimate NHL every night defensemen. And I think then you start to, we talked about the couple of forwards, Hustadinov, Yurov, Ogren, Hunter Haight, Riley Haight. Those guys have to become NHL players. Not all of them, but probably two or three of those guys. And, and that's, if they don't, then. I, the, the player development crew hasn't come through because at this point, everybody that studies those guys more closely than you or I do seems to think the Wild have a, as good a stable as most. But we'll find out if they, they have to produce. Yeah. Um, and, and they're going to need spots in the, in the NHL lineup to do that. So we'll see if they get those. Um, but yeah, I, I like Hunt, Damon Hunt, Ryan O'Rourke, uh, David Spatchik. Uh, you know, those are Lambos, those Lambos. Guys, two of those guys have to become yeah. every night NHL guys. And uh, Hunt's game, I thought was good when he was up here, but it was hard to tell. He didn't really, he didn't play enough. I don't think to have a, a great feel for it. I liked all those guys during camp and exhibition games, but you know, they, that's, you have to, those guys have to become your yeah. third and favor and right favor now. is a great start. Like just right. watching him up, like again, Avicii is just the sight lines of our press box or, unbelievable and he is so freaking good and smooth and smart he's such a great defender um yeah way beyond his years oh, it's in it's unbelievable um and now uh you know uh you hope that they can continue chemistry with brodine where that transcends itself on the on the penalty kill because that's where it's been a little bit rough for him it's probably the only reason why we're not seeing a lot of like you know rookie of the year love right now for him um, because he's been outstanding uh, for this team. And there's a guy named Bedard that's pretty good. Exactly. Um, but Rossi, you know, to your point, I don't know if you feel this way, Anthony, but I, I because Erickson X had a pretty doggone good year. I think it's, I think that Dean Evison, there, a lot of time there's a method to his madness. And for him to every day in Sweden pronounce to the national media and international media that Marco Rossi has been their most consistent and best forward, I think that was. Those are messages to Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy and all these guys to get yeah, their dish together. Absolutely. Yep. But I also think you're Sorry. right. I think Rossi's been. Yep. Huh. I think it have been. Brandon two, thought he had an easy morning. I think it would have been two shows in a <laughs> row that you had, had to have an edit. I think uh, I think Rossi has been their most consistent forward. I think yeah. he's been he's been really smart with the puck. He's been showing more and more creativity, more and more ability to make plays, and he earned that spot. We talked about it so often during the summer. But would he get a chance to play with their best guys? And we always said he's got to earn that spot. He earned it, and he's taking advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys. Um, We're out of T-shirts? Oh, my God. You're the one unlucky person. That's all right. Uh, just happy to ask a question. Um, by the way, love the pod. Love Thanks. listening to it. Uh, been in college for four years. Listen to, listen to it every day, going to class. A lot Appreciate of it. Yeah. So, um, Anthony, first question's for you. Um, if you remember, like, three – drunk friends in Denver yelling to the press box at one point last year. <laughs> one of those was me. Oh, nice. Yeah. That well, was good chatting <laughs> but, with you. Yeah. yeah I, I, don't, I don't know if you had a, had a fun time in Denver, but we tried to make it. Uh, I, the, the last year when we went to Denver, I remember one night that it, well, there was one night we weren't doing the game and I stopped at a place on whatever that, I can't remember the name of that street that has the lights over it. Larimer. There. Larimer street. Yep. Yeah. That's right. And I walked into one place and to meet my son and a couple of his buddies and all of a sudden, I turned around. It we had been there for a little while. The entire place was wild jerseys, and we ended up taking a picture of the place. And all these people jumped in behind us. That was a pretty cool atmosphere. But the Denver is one of the spots where our booth is the back row of the seats is right there. And so I've had Wild fans sit right in front of me, like during games. They want to turn around and high five me after the Wild score. And I was like, well, you know, we're doing we're kind of busy at this moment but you know what that reminds me of so america west arena used to have thank you uh used to have uh the press box in the stands the the old phoenix arena and uh 
so we'd have these. I mean, <laughs> think about now the TVs that we had. We had TVs in front of us as press as, and when the Coyotes would score, the people right in front of us would go turn to our TV and turn it toward them. And I'd be like, uh, "Excuse me, like I know you're spending like eighty dollars a ticket right now, but this TV is mine, you know." And uh, that's how I felt at Avicii, by the way. We had no replays. Like uh, the first goal, the Rossi goal, I thought freaking Zuccarello was Rossi at one point. So we had we had unbelievable sight lines there. We were yeah. but we were in the crowd. Yeah. So we had fans coming up behind us and tapping on the shoulder yeah. and like we were in the crowd too. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of yeah. like we had these makeshift tabletops and we were sitting in, in arena seats and all that stuff. But I don't know. I had a blast. Uh, like I, uh, you know, there are some crotchety old like like sports writers that were whining that we didn't have like an actual press box. I thought it, I, I just thought it was a blast. Like, I would love to cover every single game at that arena. So and I've covered trust me, I've covered a lot of games in some crummy press boxes, you know, places like McNichols Arena in Denver and, you know, Miami Arena. We were in the stands. Great sight lines there, though. We were in the upper bowl. But um, you know, the, uh, do, you, do you ever call I, games at uh, Continental Airlines Arena, the old uh, Meadowlands? No, those were well, unbelievable. I called a lot of games at yeah. Aldrich Arena and the Fairgrounds Coliseum and yeah, places yeah. like that. So it's those are uh, I've I've been in a few arenas. Even last year, I was we did whatever it was twenty high school games. I think I did twelve of them. So I did games at Andover Arena and Braemar Arena yeah. last year. That every time that we ever complain at all. And there were some that like we had the great sight lines there, but you couldn't get a bottle of water in Stockholm. That was like gold. So they didn't have them apparently. And I go through like seven or eight a game. So when I was like, Hey, can you go down and get me like even three bottles of water would be terrific. And they couldn't, nobody could find them. So, so in the little, press room, there were tons of bottles of water, but they were literally bottles of water, but they, and they were, wouldn't let you bring them into the actual and bowl. It was sparkling. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. That's, said, yeah, it, no, I know. Yeah, it, it was, wasn't true water. It was like club soda. Yeah, it was. It was like yeah, it was like San Pellegrino type. Right. But uh, so when they told me that I couldn't bring it into the uh, stands, you know, what I did. I uh, just put it in my my like uh, computer bag, and then I grabbed a bottle opener, and I was sitting in press row with the bottle opener and these like giant bottles of glass water, just praying that I didn't just spill it yeah. all over myself and break the bottles and all that stuff. They were serving beer on press row to some of the uh, European reporters. And, and I remember like Joe Smith was like enthralled by this. And I'm like, dude, I covered the 2010 Olympics where the Russian reporters were in Russia jerseys in the press box. So like, like, you know, this is the fact that there's a beer in the press box doesn't uh, totally make me, uh, you know, like shocked. I don't know. Did you have another? I don't even remember what I, you no, asked. No, I, I just had one more. Uh, mine was more about like the prospect pool, and I was sitting over there earlier. Wasn't sure I was able to hear everything, but hopefully this hasn't been asked already. But mine was kind of about you know we have these Russian prospects. First off, Yurov, Knutsenov, all these guys coming over. Obviously, we've seen success with Kirill. Um, my first question would be. Do you guys have any concern that a guy like Knutsenov, and I know, Russo, you tweeted like during training camp that Kirill had been in contact with, I'm pretty sure Yurov. it was Yurov, right? Yeah, you know, they've been chatting. And maybe Huzandinov too, but, okay, but uh, right. Yurov, Huzandinov wasn't at uh, camp, a development camp, but right. Yurov was. Right, so with that, I mean, do you guys have any concern that these Russian players, um, you know, and I'm blanking on the name again, if you could remind me, we Who's had... That? We Kuznodinov? Had, yeah, well, not Kuznodinov, but we had Yurov. that one prospect who, you know, there was some disconnect between him and... Um, first off. First off. Yeah. Right, where, yeah. So, so many offs. Yeah, so, um, so do you guys have any concern that Kuznodinov, like, with not communicating with Kirill or any of the Russian players, have any disconnect with Bill or, you know, is this kind of like, is this kind of like an... Uh, something where the Russians may not like the wild organization or mm -mm. Kirill's kind of setting the message of being come over. I mean, what's your guys' take? Yeah, I mean, first of all, again, I think it's a really good thing that Kirill is reaching out to guys like Yurov and, and I assume who's Nadinov too. We just, you know, we just haven't really had a chance to talk to him. I have talked to him on Instagram, uh, direct message, actually a fair amount. And I have no like if he re-signs there this time, I'd be blown away with the number of times that I've messaged with him. And same thing with Yurov. Um, I, I mean, even like three days ago, I got a message from him. Um, they you know, they follow the wild on Instagram. They're doing a lot of the things that Kaprizov did the year before he signed. They make you think that they have no problem, that they're that they're coming over. Just the fact that Yurov only re-signed for one year is very was very abnormal. 
Um, so I think that they are coming over. The question is when, because they were not allowed to take part in the world championships. Did the Wild try to bring them over right away? Uh, they are allowed to uh, if they sign them. Um, so uh, I think that they uh, and I think it would be really good for Kaprizov to have some people that he could speak with uh, native language in the organization. I'm not going to say they're going to be on the team right away. But who's on DNF is good. By the time he signs here, he's going to have like 220 KHL games, which is a huge amount of professional experience. And they think the wild, when they talk about who's on DNF, they're talking like he's going to be on the team next year, uh, maybe as their fourth line center, replacing it, you know, maybe a Connor Durer or something like that. So I, um, and I think that even though uh, Kaprizov always says, Anthony, that, that, you know, it doesn't just get me good players. doesn't matter if they speak my language. I think that the reality is, is that, you know, it matters. It, yeah, it matters. I mean, you know, you want to have somebody that you can relate to and and uh, speak the same language for. It's just the amount of stress and the and the exhausted nature of having a, just every word that comes out of somebody's mouth translated in your own head and comprehend. It. It's got to be uh, something that would be a really cool thing for him. I know that's why he was really good friends with Kulikov when he was here. It helped. But so. the other thing, though, to the point of the question is that's. These are all the reasons why some teams shy away from Russian players. You just don't know. There's a, you might think you're connected to them. You might think you've got an idea what they're going to do, and it just, you just never know. They're the most uncertain group when you draft them, and that's why some of them slip a little bit in the draft. Your son, uh, he wants me to ask John Krasinski if he knows who Andy Kay is in the comment section of The Athletic because he's a favorite athletic commenter. That's <laughs> what so your your son is like all texting me about just right now. Right. So that's that's well, uh good. I'm glad he's focused. Yeah, exactly. I bet you have never read the comments in any of the athletic I articles. Not, I have not read the comments ever in any article. Well, ever. I'm just glad that you knew that we were at Tuttles because you didn't follow me on Twitter, the twenty-five text <laughs> tweets that Brandon and me and Hannah put out. And uh and it was just I, I knew all day at some point at like four o'clock I would get a text from you is tonight at uh, Split Rocks or Tuttles or Elsie's. Like, how about this? I knew it was either Elsie's or Tuttle's. Yeah. We tell everybody to pay attention to our social media so they know where there is, but you don't take that advice. Yeah. So. Also, maybe I'll follow you on Twitter. Yeah. December 13th is our next live show, speak of which, uh, for um, uh, for the uh, Worst Seats podcast, and that's up at Split Rocks. December 13th, 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to have giveaways there. Tonight we had an awesome thing uh, with, with uh, Worst Seats in the House, Pint Glass from Grain Belt. Uh, so we will have uh, some court, so, sort of cool promo uh, in correlation with uh, both Grain Belt and, and the Talk North Network up at uh, Split Rocks, which is another great Tuttle's restaurant up in Wyoming. And again, we'll have uh, giveaways and things like that. Um, I accidentally bought um, uh, vitamin D for kids and pregnant women today instead of like normal vitamin D. So uh, maybe I'll raffle that off. Uh, so if you're pregnant and have kids, vitamin D could be yours if you come to that show on December 13th. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. We are on location at their, uh, their studio, the installers of Kinetico Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing and Heating and Air Conditioning. They have been a sponsor uh, since day one of this podcast. Thanks to Bowen Lodge at Lake Wanabagashish. Thanks to Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, Twill and the Adina Galleria, Royal Credit Union, and of course, Grain Bell. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Anthony, for showing Thank up you. at 6.59 and 30 seconds. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner the Worst seats in the house, pint glasses? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was funny.